0: There can be criticisms of this bill, but in almost every respect, we're better off than where we were two years ago. There's better tools, and there's regulators who clearly know what they're expected to do. The last time, they may or may not have been caught with their pants down or not fully appreciated the risks, but that shouldn't be true the next time around.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. I'm Craig
3: Williams from sunny Southern California. And this is Bob Ambroji coming to you from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law.
2: And I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. I have a book out called How to Get Sued. Bob, we'd also like to thank our sponsors, SunTrust, who offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and legal firms at suntrust.com slash law, and Clio, a web-based practice management software program for lawyers at
3: goclio.com. Well, Craig, uh, President Obama last week signed into law the Restoring American Financial Stability Act of 2010, better known as the Financial Reform Bill, uh, bill designed to crack down on the excesses of Wall Street and corporate America by overhauling banking and Wall Street regulations.
2: Well, and today on Lawyer to Lawyer, it has gotten some new praise. And we're going to be discussing that for its protection of consumers and others who are in fear that the
3: new law will negatively impact small banks and businesses. Right. And today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to look at this new financial reform legislation, the role of the new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and how the new legislation will impact the banking industry, the business community, uh, and lawyers and law firms, as well as consumers. Our guest today to uh, help us discuss this is Attorney Martin E. Liebecker, a partner at WilmerHale's Regulatory and Government Affairs and Securities Departments uh, in Washington, D.C., and a member of the Financial Institutions and Investment Management Practices Groups. Uh, Mr. Liebecker is considered to be a leader in the development of the legal theories with regard to the substantial growth of bank securities activities. He also has considerable experience representing the insurance industry in disputes over the authority of banks to engage in insurance underwriting. From 1978 to 1981, Mr. Liebecker was Associate Director of the Division of Investment Management at the Securities and Exchange Commission, and he previously served as a lawyer to the division's Office of Chief Counsel. He presently serves as a member of the American Bar Association Task Force on Financial Markets Regulatory Reform. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, attorney Marty Liebecker.
0: Thank you very much. It's nice to be here.
2: Marty, as we get started in the program, it's kind of helpful to get an overview from you of what the financial reform package is all about.
0: It's about a lot of things. There are 14 titles. And I'm not going to try and summarize uh, any of them in in particular. But if I could go through just a short list of things that are brand new and uh, uh, justify Senator Dodd calling this historic, I also ought to mention the three or four things that weren't done. And then for purposes of sort of looking forward, tell you the things that we've got to look forward to, none of which are going to feel very good. The first and the one that's gotten the most attention in the press is a restriction on banks uh, investing their own money, uh, so-called proprietary trading desks, and restrictions on banks being involved in hedge funds. This is the so-called Volcker Rule, which is, uh, essentially requires that uh, a bank that takes deposits not be involved directly in risky activities. One of the things that people criticized about the, the financial Uh, crisis we had was that how much of the actual work of things that look and feel like banks are done by others, and so the so-called shadow banking system. So, in addition to creating a Financial Stability Oversight Council to act as a systemic regulator, that same title scoops up and includes non-bank financial companies, somebody like GE Capital, uh, among the systemically important financial institutions. It's got a a company at the top, GE, that makes all sorts of things, doser ovens and jet engines, but it also, of course, has GE Capital. Hedge funds were fingered as a, a significant part of the problem, and so hedge funds will be required to register under the Investment Advisors Act. And information about the hedge funds, not just the advisor, but the actual Hedge funds they they regulate they they give investment advice to, will be subject to SEC regulation and in in particular will allow the SEC to collect systemically important information about them. One of the uh, we are all quite aware that AIG was not it was something that the federal government had to bail out. I mean you can debate whether it was appropriate or not, but it, it did. And one of the one of the other new chapters is provides brand new orderly liquidation authority to the FDIC that would allow. Uh, Would allow the FDIC to address situations like AIG. Uh, Again, things that were fingered as part of the problem were OTC derivatives and swap contracts. Uh, In particular, that's what what caused all of the problems for AIG at the very end. And all of the very, almost all of the OTC derivatives would now be would be required to be transferred and and processed on an exchange that would provide uh, transparency and consistency. To the things that uh, to those kinds of contracts, you both mentioned the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. That's also brand new. It it, ultimately it was decided that it would be a bureau within the Federal Reserve Board, but it will have an independent chair appointed by the president, and it will get authority to promulgate rules that would protect all sorts of consumers from all sorts of products. Some of the things the Act doesn't do, there was a lot of expectation that there would be uh, some new federal regulation of insurance, an optional federal charter to allow federal uh, the federal government to regulate insurance companies, and that didn't happen. It didn't happen out of the chute. It wasn't proposed by the administration, and nothing was added in the House or the Senate. Fannie and Freddie Mac were both uh, taken into receivership in that same awful week in September of uh 2008 and they uh they nothing about freddie and fannie changes as a result of this bill there was also a great deal of interest in merging the fcc and the cftc that wasn't proposed and it didn't happen also what we will discover is that in a number of these situations congress simply didn't know what to do so they gave response they gave directions to uh, to one or more federal banking agencies and imposed on them a duty to adopt rules within a specified period of time. So, uh, as I said earlier, one of the things we've got to look forward to is an extended period of rulemaking going uh, the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, the OCC, the CFTC, and the SEC. Virtually everybody in the alphabet soup in Washington will have to adopt rules. And one of the diciest ones will be a series of joint rulemaking that will have to happen between the CFTC and the SEC over over the regulation of OTC swaps and derivatives. It's it's a very complex package. I'm sure you guys have heard that the it, when you see it just normal print. I mean, the kind that shows up on Capitol Hill runs over 2,300 pages. Even when it shrunk to bill size, it's still almost 900, which makes it just significantly larger, more complex than anything that's been adopted uh, going all the way back to the 30s. What kind
2: of what kind of uh, effect will all of this regulation and rulemaking have on the the current recession?
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> If you think about the recession solely in terms of law firms, we're going to do just fine. I hesitate to use that old saw about the Lawyers Relief Act. But with so much being delegated to rulemaking, it is going to mean all of us will be writing comment letters for our clients and for trade associations to a number of agencies. The CFTC has announced that they are open for meetings. We'll be glad to talk with people on a pre-rulemaking basis. The SEC yesterday announced the same thing. It's, It's going to mean a great deal of work. From a banking standpoint, banks as institutions will be required to raise more capital and be less risky, which should mean that we will be back into single-digit returns on banks instead of double-digit. And according to the Federal Reserve, we can look forward to very low interest rates for quite a while as they try and prime the pump for recovery.
3: Well, Marty, what, so I mean, from where you stand as as somebody who represents financial institutions and works works with banks and and uh, uh, works in this area, uh, what's your? Uh, I mean, you, you've kind of recapped some of the key points. What's your personal take on it? Did it has it? It turned out to be an effective piece of legislation, will it turn out to be an effective piece of legislation? Uh, how's it looking to you?
0: Well, I, when you live inside the Beltway, you learn to accept that which is politically possible. And this was the bill that Congress could pass. Since the health care bill, we've all known that it takes 60 votes in the Senate to get any bill passed. And, and we also, I think, can say fairly that the House is more liberal perhaps than the rest of the country. It certainly is more liberal than the Senate. And it took a great deal uh, to get this passed. For better or for worse, the, the, it was decided that there would be no discussion and no vote in the Senate Banking Committee, and instead, it happened on the Senate floor. So we all got to see all the horse trading that was going back and forth that normally would wouldn't be and wouldn't be on the Senate floor. It chewed up an enormous amount of Senate floor time, which also means that almost nothing else will get done this year legislatively. For, in terms, of, you can you could go through winners and losers. I think more generally. Almost everyone would have to say we're better off than where we were before. There are things in place that ought to dampen down risk, ought to give regulators tools they didn't have before. You can also say it's not a perfect bill, and people from all stripes have said that. We could have done more if you compare where we are to where the Europeans are. We're just light years ahead of where the EU will get anything anywhere near the next five years. So, trying to figure out whether we're better off or worse off, good or bad, it's all kind of relative.
2: What's the effect of the bill going to be on extending credit? I mean, that seems to be one of the primary drivers of recovery, small businesses getting uh, funds to be able to expand. What is this going to do? Is it going to loosen or tighten credit facilities?
0: Congress was careful, both in the House and the Senate to exclude community banks, which are mostly defined by size, not necessarily by what they do, but exclude community banks from most of the things that will affect larger banks. Larger banks are going to have to pay more of the deposit insurance. Larger banks will be regulated directly by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, whereas smaller banks will be continued to be regulated by their regulator, and their regulator will enforce the CFPB rules. That ought to help smaller banks not pay a disproportionate cost to become regulated in the way this bill is going to regulate large banks.
2: Does that mean that we're going to start to see smaller banks popping up all over the place?
0: Well, the smaller banks have also been disproportionately amongst those that have been folded up by the FDIC. It's pretty clear that a couple of states, Georgia and Illinois, in particular, uh, over the last four or five years, licensed an enormous number of banks that had business plans that just weren't going to work in any sort of financial recession. You can also point at Southern California, Phoenix, uh, Las Vegas, and parts of Florida, and those places are still by, hit by far the worst with the housing uh, the housing decline. It's Those areas, are. it's going to be hard for them to come back, and it's going to be hard to find any kind of lending going on it the, people have even people like elizabeth warren have had concerns about whether or not the TARP money and the other sort of stimulus money has actually found its way through the banking system into lending. And it's very hard to find authoritative data. Uh, It is Every now and then, you do see an article in the paper showing that almost all the major companies, not banks, but other kinds of industrial companies, are hoarding cash, which, of course, means that it isn't in a bank and it isn't being lent.
3: You you mentioned that this bill... uh creates a number of opportunities for for further uh, regulatory action uh, for for further studies in uh, other kinds of uh, uh actions by uh, by regulators and agencies to to put it into effect uh, how how much how much uh has the work been done with this bill, and and how much uh, work, work remains to be done? Uh, are are we forty percent there, or is there still another sixty percent uh, that that needs to be shaped through these these uh, regulatory proceedings? Or, or how, I mean, in other words, how how tightly does this bill uh, sort of rein in what's going to happen from here?
0: It, I, your sixty percent guess is probably much closer to the truth. Let's just take two things and and use them as examples. Uh, it, it has been a concern of the SECs for some time. That broker dealers, registered representatives of broker dealers, uh, don't have the same kinds of fiduciary duties imposed on them, duties of care and loyalty, suitability duty, and the like that apply to an investment advisor. And they attempted to, by rulemaking, they attempted to address that. The rule was struck down by the D.C. Circuit. So uh, part of the bill here would would impose upon the SEC a responsibility to conduct a study over the next six months about how to impose fiduciary duties on brokers, how it should be done, and then it gives them authority to adopt rules both under the Investment Advisors Act and the Investment Company Act. So, I, I mean, I'm mean, i sorry, the Securities Exchange Act. So I'd say there that the issue has been identified. It's been known for a long time. The exact solution isn't known. And in that sense, Congress just booted it down the hill to the SEC to fix. The same thing's true of the Volcker Rule there were there was a lot of complaining at the end about the way the volcker rule might apply that it would move things out, it would it would prohibit banks from doing good risk taking mitigation techniques using derivatives and other things to offset the loans they'd made to counterparties and and it, it through an, an inclusive definition that good activity would be would be pushed outside the bank like the bad proprietary trading activity i hope you realize i'm using quote marks with my fingers when i'm using the words good and bad. Uh, in, in, what what happened at the end of the day... <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great Great video here on audio. Uh, th- at the end of the day, what happened is, it, is that the, uh, there's, uh, for a year, there will be a study About what to do with exactly how to implement the Volcker rule, then rules will be adopted, and then there will be ins So the the basics are in place. the out uh, The outline of what's going to happen is in place. The actual end result isn't in place, and in some cases, that's a good thing because if banks are required to be specific about the Volcker rule, if they're if they're required to push it outside the bank and into affiliate, it takes time to do things like that.
3: And it seems like there's a lot of leeway. In, I mean, this Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has has a lot of leeway given to it to uh, to uh, create new consumer protections, I guess, uh, through the re- regulatory process.
0: Well, think about this as, as law school, the first week of corporations where you learn principal agency law. An insurance agent, an employee of a bank, a salesman, a broker dealer, they're all employees of an employer. So you'd name the employer as the principal and the agent would be the salesman. So the salesman would always duty of care and his duty of loyalty to his employer, not to the person he's selling things to. It, in, to change that, they have to adopt rules imposing fiduciary duties. That's what, in the case of broker-dealers and registered reps, that's what their, their SRO, their, their self-regulatory organization, did—the NASD and the New York Stock Exchange. That's what the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is going to do. So, for uh, one of the statutes that they get given to them that already exists, is the Fair Debt Collection Act. It, it imposes it imposes restrictions around. What a lawyer can do, or what a debt collection agency can do, in order to collect debt that's overdue, including you know when you can call, how you can talk, threats you can and can't make, all of the, the consumer financial protection agency is going to get all of that authority. But their single focus will be the consumer, rather than having, in the case of say the SEC, looking at broker dealers as one of the groups of people they regulate, and and customers of broker dealers as one of the beneficiaries. Of the regulation. Instead, whether it's a mortgage company or a bank uh, or whoever, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is looking solely at the consumer. It should give them not only a, quite a focus, but it should, and, and the statute gives them an enormous amount of power you understand that that thing doesn't exist now. So, it's also probably going to be staffed, at least in the first instance, with people who will be borrowed from the Federal Reserve and borrowed from the Treasury. It's got to find a place to live. Uh, they have not yet given it a head. So, in the short run, it's, its head will probably be the Secretary of the Treasury. So, some of this stuff is literally brand new, and like anything else, we'll, it will all, all the rules about, around it will have to be developed.
2: Speaking of um, the head of the agency, there's been some significant controversy over whether Harvard Law Professor Elizabeth Warren, who you mentioned earlier, should lead the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. What are the issues surrounding her potential appointment?
0: Well, I, th- that's probably more about personalities than I'm, than I'm comfortable saying anything about. She's uh, c- Her career is as a consumer advocate, and and that's clearly laudable. Uh, to the extent that in, and the consumer p- financial protection agency's only client will be the consumers, so she matches up well that way. The usual criticism is that if someone is uh, I don't know quite how to say this right, but completely pro-consumer, then then they're indifferent to the cost or the collateral effects of the regulations that they create, and the reg- if the regulations are too tight, too difficult, too hard to comply with, too expensive. It will drive people away from uh, providing the products that uh, consumers really need. A lot of the same argument exists, for example, with prepaid debit cards or gift cards or things where uh, sort of shadow banking products are used by people who wouldn't otherwise use the commercial banking system. I'm sure you're aware that part of this bill was uh, the so-called Durban Amendment gives the Federal Reserve Board authority to regulate so-called interchange fees. That's the money that's collected when you guys swipe your debit cards. That's a huge amount of money, but the debit cards, and you can have whatever view you want about taking money directly out of someone's... Checking account instead of using a credit card, but debit cards are used exclusively by the federal government and the state governments to give benefits to people because the, the the consumer the the store that wants to honor their purchase whatever it is they're buying gets paid and the and the credit card gets paid or the debit card gets paid through the interchange fee. So it 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 was a transfer. It involves a wealth transfer away from states. To others, in order to in order to provide that product that the states wants to offer, I guess this is a long way around the point that viewing everything solely through the function of the consumer has value, but you also have to consider what what the person offering the product is going to have to go through to do it
3: damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> well,
0: that's, well, but that's why literally all the consumer protection laws in many respects, some of them have always lived at the CFTC. The rest of them have lived inside total banking agencies who administered the consumer protection laws at the same time they were trying to protect the safety and soundness of the banking system. It's not like each of these is, is in, an independent goal that can be achieved without looking at the other or that you don't have to balance one off against the other from time to time. That, that's where the criticism comes.
2: Marty, we need to take a quick break and when we return we'll talk more about the new financial reform legislation and the next steps.
1: Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust Advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and wading through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC.
4: Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount.
1: Engage your brain. Keep up with the fast pace of the legal profession. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all of our great legal podcasts. They're free.
4: It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait.
3: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. We're talking about the financial reform bill signed into law last week by by the president. We're speaking with Marty Liebecker, a partner in Wilmer Hale's Washington, D.C. office, where he's in the regulatory and government affairs department and the securities department as well. Uh, Marty, what what about the the, 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 the omission uh, from this legislation uh, of anything to address the, the Fannie and Freddie situation? I mean, a lot of people have said there really can't be meaningful mortgage reform without addressing uh those those uh, uh entities uh, wh- what's your take on that
0: i think they're right uh, but it was also the, the the this administration has clearly made decisions based on the art of getting something done, rather than necessarily the art of getting everything done. and And Fannie and Freddie would have, it, how, however, one would handle Fannie and Freddie would have been controversial. And it, it, it I don't know the right equivalent issue in health care, but it w- it would have been sort of the third rail of this legislation. It, what's clear is that they picked out and and tried to take care of that which could be achieved. And which could be passed, Fannie and Freddie supposedly are going to be discussed this fall and be on the docket for next year. We'll see. I mean, you're absolutely right. Without their participation, either they have to participate meaningfully in the housing market, or we have to find something that that takes care of the secondary credit the way Fannie and Freddie do now.
2: What has been? uh, What's your perspective on the uh, credit card companies indiscriminately adding fees and raising interest rates on credit card bills for consumers? Uh, and some tighter regulation on, on uh, credit cards. Are we going to see that as part of this reform bill?
0: It, the credit card regulation already exists at the Federal Reserve Board, and they last uh, let's see last spring they proposed quite a significant batch of uh, reforms on credit cards. I'm sorry, you're going to hear thunder and lightning coming in my phone. That we're getting a thunderstorm here in Washington. Uh, it and i it 's too quick yet to know whether those changes have been satisfactory the the uh Congress also passed a credit card bill which is now being implemented uh I think it 's just too soon to tell but i and i don 't want by doing that i don 't want to confirm the your use of the word indiscriminately, but it is true that those cha- you know banks have made changes to credit cards and the fed 's regulation should address that
3: you said earlier in your uh comments that that this uh all of this uh, by virtue of its length and, and the regulatory proceedings that are likely to come out of it could be a, a full employment act for lawyers for, for some time to come. Are there, apart from the regulatory issues, do you see um, weaknesses in this legislation that are likely to be the subject of uh, uh, legal challenges in, in the courts?
0: Um. Most of the challenges should come not over. Obviously, they can't, no one can challenge a section of the law that Congress has passed per se. It'll have to be an action taken by an agency where the allegation, of course, is that it's what the agency has done is arbitrary and capricious. I assume that those that there will be an immense amount of lobbying from every perspective: the consumer perspective, the lender's perspective, the broker-dealer perspective, every perspective on any rule that anyone adopts. And unfortunately, there's been enough experience with the D.C. Circuit so that it's not hard for the plaintiff, whoever he is and whatever his, his beef is, to find a way to challenge the appropriateness of the way rules were adopted from an Administrative Procedure Act perspective. The D.C. Circuit's had a number of those cases involving the SEC in the last five or six years that does give people a path if they are unhappy with the result. Uh, I I don't know how I don't know how to predict any better than that. Uh, It it seems it since all of this is going to take at least three or four years to unwind and unfold. I don't know that it's current employment that in itself is current employment for lawyers. One thing I can tell you about lawyers in particular that relates to this bill is that lawyers would have been subject to the Consumer Financial Protection Act as it was originally introduced in the House and as it was moved through the Senate uh, on behalf of the American Bar Association. I helped with another group of people to lobby both in the House and the Senate to get lawyers excluded. Otherwise, uh, the CFPB would have been able to examine lawyers in the same way they examine insurance agents or broker-dealers or uh, bank employees, which would have been pretty disastrous for the attorney-client privilege and, and the, expect the, customers, the client's expectation of privacy and confidentiality. We were able, through the good offices of John Conyers in the House Judiciary Committee, to get an exemption for lawyers so that that just won't turn out to be true.
2: Well there's been a there's a, a little tiny little provision I think in the uh, reform package compared to the entire 900 pages that says that there's a whistleblowing provision uh, giving whistleblowers a mandatory 10% of what the government coupes in fines and settlements in financial fraud cases. How do you think that's going to play with uh, with this whole package?
0: You know it's, it's interesting. Uh, there, was a, a divorcing wife just got a million dollars from the SEC for whistleblowing on her husband. Uh, <laughs> and she discovered things that were useful to the case the SEC was making against him during their divorce proceedings. I'd, I'd certainly never seen anything like that before. Uh, the SEC has had has had whistleblowers. Bank agencies are are much less used to having that occur. Uh, And the SEC's had whistleblowing authority. This certainly enhances the financial aspect of being a whistleblower. uh, As well, and I'll leave it at that. It's the there's clearly people who uh, had had more. Well, the the Madoff situation. There were whistleblowers there, and they weren't listened to. There were whistleblowers about Stanford, and they weren't listened to. It's not necessarily the, the answer to all the questions, but some whistleblowers have really pointed out things that were wrong, gotten paid for it, and the SEC enforcement staff has used that information quite well.
2: Is it is it really that we might need a separate enforcement staff? I mean, is it a, is it better that the SEC have its own enforcement staff, or should we be looking at uh, the potential for having this handled by the U.S. attorney or even by a separate uh, special prosecutor? I mean, it, apparently, the Madoffs and, as you said, Stanford and Well and some other ones have gone uh, whistleblowers have just been ignored.
0: The SEC's the internal uh, inspector general has looked at both those situations and written up significant analyses. And, of course, he had the right to go examine people, his fellow employees, and uh, get them to testify on the record and under oath. Each each of the agencies, whether it's the SEC or the Federal Reserve or the Control of the Currency or the FDIC, they all have their own enforcement divisions. And they specialize in the laws that each of those agencies has Uh, has responsibility for to me, that makes a whole lot more sense than taking an issue to a generalist, which is what you'd get if you went to an assistant U.S. attorney in a particular area or to the Justice Department and, and, and expect them to try and figure out how to solve or what to do with a particular problem. If it leads to a crime, it has to go to justice, because none of the regulatory agencies has anything but civil jurisdiction. If it's criminal, they have to refer it to justice.
3: Right, I just want to ask you, we're, we're starting to get near the end of our time. I just was, it was curious, is there, a, is there a financial impact? Uh, on this uh, legislation, on, on on businesses outside the the financial sector per se, I mean, what what does this mean for the the business community at large?
0: The business community at large that has that has nothing to do with financial products uh, will find should find that it's going to be harder for them to do. Uh, Derivatives, other than through to offset risk, let's say Procter and Gamble or or Nestle and buying chocolate or Hershey Foods and buying chocolate, the there's an exception for end users in the derivatives bill that will let people who offset who offlay risk normally. They want to buy chocolate, so they hedge for it. They should be taken care of. Everyone who's I, you, I don't want to use the word uninformedly, but everybody who's speculating should get caught by the derivatives bill, and it's intended that they be regulated and their trades be transferred. So, I, for, the regular use, for the regular company that just uses the financial system for either payments or uses the financial system to hedge for something, there, there shouldn't be a change in their life.
3: But maybe more expense is what you're saying,
0: Yes. Well, that will, yeah, that, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. anytime there's more government, there's more expense.
3: Well, Marty,
2: we've reached the end of the program, so it's time to get your final thoughts about this whole reform package, kind of wrap up uh, the big picture overview for us, and give our listeners your contact information so they can reach out and get a hold of you if they have additional questions.
0: I think we're way better off than Europe, and therefore, in this one, America's really been a leader. And it's just, it's just the political reality of the EU that they can't get to the same place we are. But I, there can be criticisms of this bill. But in almost every respect, we're better off than where we were two years ago. There's better tools and there's regulators who clearly know what they're expected to do. The last time they may or may not have been caught with their pants down or not fully appreciated the risks. But that shouldn't be true the next time around. Uh, I can be reached at uh, Wilmer, Wilmer Cutler Pickering, Hale & Door. My email address is martin.liebecker at wilmerhale.com, and I would be glad to answer any questions. And I hope this was interesting for you.
2: Well, we certainly appreciate you being on the, on the program and participating today. It's been a real eye-opener for uh, some of your answers and and, and entertaining and, and informative for the remainder. So, we'd like to, uh, Bob, I guess it, that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. Uh, remember, for our listeners, you can check out
3: all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. That's right. And I would just like to add my thanks to uh, Marty for taking the time to share his uh, perspective and, and insights on this. Uh, thanks a lot, Marty, for being on the program this week. You're welcome. I'd like to also remind our, our listeners, of course, that they can get this and all of our shows at thelegaltalknetwork.com. And if they want to get CLE credit for listening to our show, they can do that through the West Legal Ed Center uh, by following the West Legal Ed Center link from thelegaltalknetwork.com. So and that about our show this week then, Craig. That's Craig. right. And all of our shows can be found on <laughs> iTunes
2: as well. We'll be back again next week to discuss another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss.